Level Up Latina partners with working women and mamas alike to guide them in achieving fulfilling career and life goals through financial empowerment, professional or leadership coaching, and personal wellness. Find the unique coaching you need to succeed. You're listening to Vettel, Ceci, and Irene, and we are Level Up Latina. Welcome, welcome back to the Level Up Latina podcast. This is episode 66, where we will be talking about our career journeys, how we entered our respective business fields, and the steps and processes we took. Uh, this idea or this suggestion for this topic came from a listener who was curious to know how we ended up in our respective careers and wanted us to share that process with you all. And we're excited to talk about that because I think our careers have led us in different directions and parts of it where we did not expect for us to be. I know for sure in, on my end, it, uh, my process, my growth as a professional really changed and has brought me into where I'm at now, especially like working with Level La Platina. But a lot of this came up through my whole professional development. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. But first, let's check in, see how you ladies are doing. ¿Cómo están, Ceci Irene? Bien, bien aquí. Disfrutando de septiembre. También igual. Enjoying the weekend. It's the weekend today for us. Yeah. Right now in LA, we have, I don't know, in San Francisco, you guys have the uh, warning, the heat warning. It's an effect. I know that LA is going to be about 99 to 100 to 92 through the weekend or 94. Guamadre, you have a little bit more of the beach breeze because you're closer to the water. But how is that heat? But you know, I work out in the garage and sometimes I feel it. Like I, I send oh, like, man, oh, yeah. I'm working out in the garage and I'm like, oh my God, it's like hot in here because it's not as breezy. Obviously, there's it's like a garage. My son had to turn on the fan today because I was like, I'm going to pass out. This isn't just from running. This is like, it's already hot. And it was like 10 in the morning, but it's getting good. It's going to be hot. This weekend. Yeah, this morning was 74. I was pumping at like early in the morning. Yeah, it's sunny out here. It, it was sunny yesterday. Of course, uh, leave it to me to make caldo de pollo when it's freaking it's hot. It didn't oh. start out that way. It started off cool. I mean, you know, the weather, it's very, it's very foggy all the time and cold in fact last weekend when we had our cousin retreat it was cold and i even turned on the heater at one point because we, we were really cold in here Pero este, but i think yesterday yeah the sun came out today very early on in the morning the sun's out so maybe we're gonna get part of that heat wave as well pues buena suerte a todos. make sure everyone stays hydrated this might be a coming in later on you know but still no matter what your body needs water and you guys, it helps take care of you. But let's let's move on to our conversation of how we ended up in our respective careers. Since yo soy la que estoy aquí platicando un poquito más, let me just share a little bit of my story. I know that when I graduated um, high school and I went on to go to school at Santa Barbara, UCSB, I had gone in with a major of psychology. I was looking into biopsych because I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I knew I wanted to do therapy and I wanted to work with people very attracted to other beings. You know, I want to know what's going through their mind. I want to know how things worked. So that was my plan. And my four years, I was a psychology major. I went from biopsych to psych. And then I just didn't have the interaction I expected from my my professors, which led me into sociology, which eventually I thought, hey, I, I can work within communities. I can understand how, you know, society works and understand the you know, how groups of people work. And that me llamó mucho la atención. So I'm like, this is what I can do. But when I graduated college, my fifth year, I was a five-year college student. Um, my super senior year, I was. I realized when I graduated, um, I needed to find a job. And I think I mentioned this before. My dad was like, why? ¿Por qué estás tan cerca de querer encontrar un trabajo? Pero ya. Yeah. Like, take your time. Find something that's right for you. Like, porque empiezas a trabajar, vas a trabajar para el resto de tu vida, mija. Like, don't 
there's no pressure from us. You're living with us. We've got you. My parents, my dad was pretty much, we've got you, mija, chill out. But yo de desesperada que I'm like, I'm a college grad. I needed to prove something for some reason. I'm like, I need a job now. I need to make money now. So I started working in um, door-to-door sales. I started working with this marketing company, got hired on. And although I didn't like the door-to-door sales aspect, I definitely enjoyed turning no's into yeses in my sales technique. And I learned how to sell. And I didn't know I had that in me. But then I should have known when I had my friends telling me, like, how do you, how are you so persuasive into convincing us to do something we don't want to do? And I'm not talking about drugs. I'm not talking about other things, but just in the <laughs> sense of the way I use my words. And I'm like, I don't know. But it really helped me. The things I studied in college and my experiences in college, meaning like my involvement in, in organizations like in Hermanas Unidas. And then I was also part of some training programs. I worked for EOP. I had all these different leadership qualities. I must admit, Beto has always been a great leader, an attractor of people, a unifier of people. You knew you were going to lead something and everything because you were a great leader, Beto. Thank you. But see, like, it takes some time to recognize it within yourself. I just, it just, like, it seems so natural. I'm like, how can this be leadership if it's just something I do? So when I started going out and doing these sales and I was working with big companies, I was breaking through those gatekeepers easily. I was, you know, they were like, oh, it's she's back. And they were, they would greet me and like, oh, you know, the boss is here. They wouldn't just kind of, you know, push me around, like not in the sense push me around, but push me away and saying like, hey, they're not here again. And I would get answers and I would turn, like I said, no's into yeses. So for me, eventually I learned that I, I had that quality that in sales came easy to me that I eventually went into the business aspect and more into sales and business. And that's where my first job came around after the, the door-to-door sales was really just exhausting. And I got hired onto my first actual professional job that really was investing in me to train and develop me and turn me from just a salesperson into a manager, into a leader. And with this company, I just grew and learned so much that I now refer like, you know, if anyone that gets out of college, they need that one job, that first job that really kicks you into shape, like whips you into shape. And this company really taught me that like you, you have to get your hands dirty and understand a job and the way a business works from the ground up. So in this case, I was working for a rental car company and it taught me like how to, you know, I was dressing up like a business person. I was wearing a suit and I had never owned a suit in my life. I owned professional pants and a top, you know, but it was like, no, full on suits. They were strict companies. So they're like, okay, you're, you must have, you know, you have to wear this kind of shoe. You have to wear stockings. If you're a woman, you know, you can't wear shoes that, you know, show your toes, things like that. So Throughout that, I just learned that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to sometimes wa- as a business owner, I'm going to have to get down, do the nitty gritty stuff and not only just push and motivate my team. So it also taught me how to create this ownership in my team, how to understand that they too can move forward and become leaders. So it's all this develop like investment in not only you, but an investment in your team and the people that work for you and developing them to being the people that you can rely on because eventually you, those people, either you end up working for them or you, you know, they eventually come back onto your team. It's not just develop them, boom, they leave to another place and then you're, they're done. No, you eventually throughout your career work with these people. So I remember I had just started with the company and the person that was my assistant manager and the person that was my manager, I eventually came around to become my assistants. My assistant was in the manager and I was their assistant manager. And it just, you know, it just keeps work going in cycles. And when I was a manager, some of the people I had hired or some of the people that I knew as beginners were then my assistants. And it just, it, that's why it's so important to invest in the people you work with and that are, you know, in a sense under you and training and developing is so important. So for me, it just really became one of those things where it's like, you're, you're the manager 
you're not only managing the people, which is the toughest part, I think, of a business, and then managing the business in itself, the operation and how things work, managing, you know, your budget, managing not only that, your expenses to making sure how do you, what do you do to become profitable? Because as a business owner, that's eventually what you do. You have to manage your, your income and your expense to make sure that you at least, you know, somehow come up with a, a profit. You need to, you know, sometimes we don't, sometimes we lose, but sometimes you have to just have a clear idea. So throughout that process, I learned that I really love the engagement with people. I love the leading. I love the training and development, the one-on-one coaching, and which eventually just kind of guided me through my next steps in my career. Now, that is there's sometimes that you work as a therapist when you're in management. And all of the, my, the things I learned in college and my classes really did help when I sat down and do one-on-one with my teams. And it helped me just become a little bit more aware like, hey, it's not just how I perceive things. Let me understand it on your from your level and how do you see things and help me understand and guide me there. So eventually, my first job really gave me that and I enjoyed it. And I stayed with the business and operations and I went through a few different companies that um, I really led to some success. But eventually, my last job that I had before I became a mom, and that was my last actual job where I would have to go clock in and get paid. I was a director of marketing and events, and I was able to do that job, thankfully, from all the skills I had learned at all my previous ones, especially my first job, my first real job, where I was a manager for several years. But eventually, you know, that job really tested every aspect of me and in the sense of, can I, can I market our business? Can I grow the, uh, the amount of, comp- of people that follow us. Can I grow us and making this from a, neg- a negative profit to some profit to profitability? And it really, it really puts you in a sense of like, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm going to further on continue to do, which then led to Level Up Latina. So I know that's kind of a shortened version of it, but there's a lot of times that we have these expectations of ourselves and what we can do. And those qualities can guide us in so many different ways. In my last job, I was one person handling the job of five different people. But the fact that I knew how to manage all of that and everything that had taken me to that point, all my previous experience really made me successful in that aspect. And how I ended up there, which is funny, was actually my college roommate, who was still my friend, her husband owned this business. And they're like, we need someone to take us to the next level. How do we get there? And her thought, she knew that I want to transition from the automobile industry. I had been working a lot in that area. And she's like, well, I have someone in mind. Why don't you guys meet her? I met them, talked about it. And this transition has always had been, I didn't even think twice about it, to be honest. I did have to put some things into consideration because they offered me the position. They described the position to me, what they expected. They gave me their vision. And I was able to to see a silver lining in their vision. Like, I'm like, you know what? This is something we I can do. When it came down to it, one of the things I had to consider was a pay cut. Now, I had been making significant amount of money. I no complaints for all the work I had been doing. I had no complaints because I was being rewarded for my work and being compensated properly. So I was happy, I was satisfied. I was just tired of certain things in that business. So, or in that industry. So when it came down to, hey, we have this opportunity, you're going to get a pay cut. But since I understood how certain things works, how business works and the way you, you know, you, you develop it and how you, the buy-in you have brings those results. So for me, as I said, okay, it's a $20,000 pay cut. 
man, how am I going to pay certain bills? The good thing is I didn't have that many bills. I didn't have the much stuff that I, I, I had in debt or anything like that because I was always very considerate of that. Not always. I learned to be consider, considerate of it. It eventually, I felt this is the right decision for me because I, I did the numbers. I crunched the numbers in my mind really quickly. And I said, if this is as, as what they're, if this is what they're really telling me, I could be back to my regular pay scale and, and my regular pay within a year if I do everything right. Now you're going to make mistakes. Sometimes this is a new, that was a new industry for me. So it was a completely new industry for me. And I was like, okay, how does this work? So as soon as I figured it out, homies, I was just like, okay, it was like nothing changed. And the thing was that you are really who you are. And it's those qualities that you're going to put into your career. And for me, those things helped out. I learned to become better communicator, how to express what I needed in order to get the results that we wanted, right? So I'm like, okay, we need to eliminate these kind of things, this kind of thing. So eventually I felt I fit in that in that role. I was there for about five years, but I learned so much. And that's how eventually I got there. But I knew that throughout that whole process, I knew that eventually I wanted to also do, and I had shared this with Irene, I had shared it with Ceci and with a lot of my other friends that, that you know, listen to our podcast and listen to and, and support what Level of Latina is. They knew that eventually if I didn't go back to corporate, I wanted an organization, whether it be profit or nonprofit, to help women in their professional lives, how to be, how help them, you know, either transition or really gain focus onto furthering their careers and further themselves as, as women in general and Latinas in their industries. So that's how eventually I ended up where I'm at. So like long story short. <laughs> no, no, we, we saw all of it. I mean, we always yeah. have those skills were leadership. Like I like that this is our episode today that each of us is going to talk about our career journey because we all have such a different journey. So like Veto is corporate leadership and operations. Myself, I've been in the nonprofit sector for, gosh, almost a decade and a half or more than that now. And then Ceci has been in the same amount of time in a specialized professional field, which is law. So each of us can dabble in different areas and different sectors. So anybody listening can get a bit of that journey. But also, I think what everybody will find is that we all have gravitated towards something that's our strength. Like you said, like know who you are and put that into your career. I think that's going to be our tip of the day that really think about who you are and all the jobs you've had. And Beto gave all these examples of where she always sort of was the leader. She always was in charge of the operations. She always was the person that could oversee projects and move them forward. But that's what she was in college. Like, that's who you probably were in high school. You were the leader of the crew and you had the ideas and you said, I realized in sales that I had these natural abilities and I don't know what that is. It's just me, you know? So it's awesome that you kind of always have moved towards who you naturally are. And that's what you are with Level Up Latina, moving the needle forward and the things that you have expertise in. So thank you for sharing. We can either go law or we can do nonprofit. What do we feel like hearing ooh, about next? Ooh. Let's, let's go with, let's go with some law. Lay, lay down the law. Let's do it. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I mean, was saying like, yeah, we, it's cool that we each had like a different path. I think I've said this before in, in previous podcasts, but, um, I was that weird kid that always knew that, you know, wanted to be a lawyer. Actually, you know what, to think of it. So before I wanted to be a lawyer, I wanted to be a teacher. I was thinking about that the other day, like in elementary school, I wanted to be a teacher. I just admired my teachers so much growing up and thank God I had really good teachers in elementary school. So I just, I don't know, I, I looked up to them. Then I had this experience with first my uncle, then my dad, who had to get, you know, legal advice and hire an attorney because of their personal injuries. And I think that's what triggered me and wanting to help people like my dad, like my uncle navigate the law system. So 
since sixth grade or so, I was like, okay, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer. And in high school, I was in an outreach program that really helped me focus and take the courses that I needed to get to a good college. And then at, at UCSB, I remember sharing this, that I wanted to be a lawyer with you guys, with my friends, roommates, but I really didn't know anyone else that was, you know, a couple years ahead that was already doing the things that needed they needed to do to to get to law school. So I kind of had to learn that myself. Like, okay, you need to take the LSAT. Your grades need to be pretty good to get into a good school. I did know that I didn't really have to, to major in anything. But for some reason, someone down the line told me like, oh, you should major in English. So I came into UCSB as an English major. When I came in, I was like listed as English major. Then I took a communications course, a communications 101 or whatever it was, you know, the introductory course. And I really liked it. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to declare calm as my major. And I would always say like, oh, I'm a calm major at uh, like the Hermanas Unidas meetings but i never really declared it and then i was like eh, i don't know if i like as i later sophomore year i didn't know if i wanted to do that and i really liked the chicano studies courses i was like it really got me thinking and i felt like i learned a lot about the, the chicano movement and it's just like you know that that part of history that a lot of us didn't learn until college so i was like okay i, I definitely want to do chicano studies as a major but i want to do something else so i took we didn't have pre-law. We didn't have a pre-law program at UCSB. So I took, I remember, a law and society course. And I liked it because uh, there was a, a lot of different topics being talked about. And as a law and society major, I was able to take other courses like in women's studies and um, history, other Latin American studies courses, Chicano sources that could I can use towards both majors. So I liked that, that I could use that and delve into different other subjects like I remember taking a social class and that counted towards my major so that's what I did I started working at my firm right after college because I knew I didn't want to take the LSAT right away I, I didn't feel I was ready for it and I didn't want to I wanted to get like the hands-on experience of working in a law firm to figure out like is this something that I want to do and I did I was going to take you know a year to two years off to to work and then eventually go to law school. And that turned into five. I think I've mentioned this in a prior episode, but that turned into five. And I don't know if I started getting lazy to go back to school or I was getting comfortable with the income that I was making where I thought like, well, maybe I, be I can become a, a professional interpreter because I saw the interpreters that would come in for depositions and be at court. And I liked their job, they were helping other people. And it's, I mean, I had been translating all my life since, you know, I was a kid for my parents and, and uncles and aunts. But um, I think I mentioned this as well in a prior episode where I was thinking about taking the actual exam to become a professional interpreter for court and depositions. And then one of the attorneys said, Hey, no, you need to go to law school, there needs to be Latina women, like, go do it. So then yeah, eventually, I, I took a course for the LSAT because I had taken one that didn't really help me. And I, I took the LSAT. I didn't like my score. And I learned about another program. What was it called? I think it was called Test Masters, algo así. And that, I felt it really helped me to bring up my LSAT score and 
get me into school. I didn't go to the best law school, but I it was ABA approved and that's what mattered right with law school. So I went to University of Laverne and it was a smaller school. One of the questions posed by one of our listeners was, you know, why I attended. And that I mean that's kind of like long story short why I attended was because I felt that I really wanted to help people navigate this system when they got injured at work and it's something that I had seen growing up with my dad and my uncle, how they had an attorney, but they couldn't communicate directly with him because they lacked the language. And and I felt that me being able to speak the language, having come from the same background that Latino clients had, I was able to connect with them. So uh, I did, I, you know, I went to law school because of that. And because I really felt like that was my calling, like that was my passion, helping people. And I'm not going to lie, like the first semester was extremely hard. It wasn't what I was used to school-wise. And mind you, I had been off out of school for five years. I had, you know, graduated UCSB for five years earlier. And so it was different. It's just, I felt like I really needed to sit down and read the cases and reread them because I... I wasn't getting it the first time around and I was just feeling like a little bit kind of like, why am I doing this? Am I doing the right thing? Am I had to bring your brain back to exactly. working like that. <laughs> like, do, do I belong here? Like, do I like, oh, Dios mio, like this is hard. Like so many cases to read and like, I'm not going to get them the first time and just kind of learning and teaching myself. It took a whole first year to teach myself how to, read it and understand it and then and then in law school they make you like brief your case so you know create a summary and then they do the socratic method where they call on you and like oh dios mio like <laughs> like in college i never volunteered you know and really we did we weren't called upon because it, there were huge lecture courses except you know the unless you were passing notes you know unless you were passing oh notes. god yeah that's <laughs> That's another story for another That's time. another story for another time. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it just it was like I like a como se dice like a shock to be there and like damn like it you know people weren't kidding like this is hard shit. And but you know like learning like I just like learning because you 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 don't get tested and I think I don't know if people know but you don't get tested with midterms and exams it's like one final and that's it like that's your that's the grade for your for the course and that's it and there's classes where you have you get retested on the same subject at the end of the year so you know in december at the end of the first semester and then again in in may so again it was like oh dios mio like what am i getting myself into but my second year to a year i did much better like i was my grades were improving and I was like okay I'm getting the hang of it but that also meant like that I had to be really strict and have discipline and not come home and you know even though my friends you guys were so close in LA like I could I I if I I I felt like if I was gonna be hanging out a lot or like trying to be more social like I couldn't concentrate in what I was studying so I, I, I mean, I did see you guys, but I felt like it wasn't as often as I would have liked to, but because I knew like, oh, you know, le tengo que echar ganas a esto de acá, porque si no, like, I'm not going to make the grade or I'm not going to learn. So I, I felt like I had to really be disciplined and, you know, study Monday through Saturday. That was like my, my schedule Monday through Saturday. I had courses. I, I guess as a 2L, I didn't have 
classes on Fridays anymore. So Fridays was like my study, catch up, work on an outline type of day. Saturday, tambien. Sunday was my day that I took kind of like the day off, went to church, did my grocery shopping. And if I felt like I was missing something uh, with, with school-wise, like, okay, like, I'm going to work on it or like plan my schedule for the for the upcoming week. So it took a lot of discipline to to do that and to finish. I thankfully passed all my classes, even that first year where like I I didn't know what I was mm -hmm. doing. And and I and the first semester I did get a really low GPA, like the lowest that I had ever seen. And I was just like, I you know it was it was really hard. But hard work, dedication, and also, you know, making friends along the way, because we, we needed that just like the study group, because it, it could be lonely. And just again, tiring and like trying to stay healthy, like, okay, let's try to eat healthy, let's go work out together. And let's have a good time too. like, let's, let's, um, after Fridays, I remember, I think, yeah, second and third year after class, we'd like go hang out and go eat together, have micheladas. So that was our, our thing to do. What I want to point out and what Ceci was saying right now is that we go into our college careers. And since if we are, if, if we're first generation, if we're the first people to go to law school, if, we're, if we were the first people to go to college and then we don't have anyone to help us further our career, we don't have anyone to tell us like, hey, this is what your main priority is. No te preocupes irte a la fiesta de la familia. No te preocupes si no vas a estar en el bautizo, no vas a estar aquí presente. You, what you're doing is important right now, so focus on it. And and there's no way for them to guide us. So this is a good kind of, we can talk about it another time, but it's a good thing to just keep in mind that we didn't have someone to turn to to tell us like, this is what it's like. So don't worry if you're effing up, okay? Or if your GPA can, is not there. We can talk about it now. Oh, well, yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> like, can yeah. emphasize it now that women need to hear that she had to be disciplined. She had mm -hmm. to miss out. She had to be in it for the long haul. I think you better know that about your personality because you cannot be crushed later if you don't make it through a law career, but you're more of a short-term kind of person. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But some people can do the long haul. Like my niece just got her PhD. She's been in school for 24 years. Mm. It's 24 years. I, the thought of going back to grad school after four years I wasn't feeling it. And that mm -hmm. has been 20 years ago or whatever, right? Almost <laughs> 20 years ago. You better know you. So I love that Beto is saying, like, you may not have the examples, but look to other examples and see in yourself who you are versus mm -hmm. who they are. And what Ceci always was in undergrad was she was disciplined. Me and Beto were a little more patalargas. Like, we'd get okay. up and we'd go. Ceci had great personal boundaries to say, I can't do that. I can't do that, Lisa. I mm -hmm. can't do that. I can't do that, Irene. And she had this ability to be focused on that project and see it through. And then, of course, someone like that, and she says it's hard. And she's being vulnerable and saying it wasn't easy. But someone like that has a better shot of, I think, getting through law school. Yeah. Knew where to make the sacrifices. I'm so impressed that Ceci knew where to make the sacrifices. And then it continued on to taking the bar exam because it wasn't this, over. It wasn't yeah, this, over. Yeah. This also plays into your first job out of college or when you're developing your career, you work your butt off. I know that I had I worked long days. You're going to work long days, long hours. And although you want to sit there and complain and whine, talk to talk about it with your friends. But when you're at work, this is, you know, the, when you're building up this professional part of you, don't be the person that sits there and complains. Be the, find, find a way to find solutions if you think that are, there are other ways to, to do things that are going to work out better for you and for the team. So you're going to you're going to be investing so much into your professional career. 
and be mindful that, yeah, those first first two, three years that you're going to be working your butt off to establish yourself as a professional. And um, obviously it's a beginning part. You know, it's going to be difficult and just know that it's okay to be working those long hours if necessary. And that later on, you could be like, hey, when you hear someone down the road, your cousin, your niece, your nephew, whomever it is, you can share that. Like, look, you might not have not heard it from your parents. You might have not heard it from anyone else. But when you establish your career, this is what it's like. And you can share that. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's going to have to invest in themselves and in their careers. And it's going to take work. And we need to let our younger family members or friends know like, hey, this is what it's like. Don't think you're being uh, taken advantage of. This is what it's like to establish yourself. Everybody pays the price somewhere. Right. Everybody yeah. pays the pay work. So you may like mm-hmm. go all these years to school. Like Ceci had to be so laser focused and keep going and go back after five years. I mean, Ceci went back to school after five years. I mean, what courage to go back and start over. And then you said the first year was hard. What you were doing was paying the price. You're like, I'm going to stay the way I want that. I'm going to have that tough GPA, but this is something I want. And when you want something, you're going to pay the price. Vettel's early years in her career. I mean, Vettel, you had health complications you were giving in your all in your career. Maybe you needed a <laughs> yeah. little bit of time to go to the doctor. Doctor, but you also yeah. were like paying the price. I'm saying don't pay the price with your life, guys. Like you shouldn't be unhealthy. That's a joke. But everybody pays it at some point. It's not going to be an easy journey. It's just a different journey, but we don't have to pay the price. So Ceci was paying early. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But and also what you mentioned, like learning like what your style is, because I always knew that I am the type of student that needed to review things several times and study them to get them like even in college, like, I I can't just sit down and like read it and like get it like I need to be disciplined and get it. And that's like what I learned. Again, going back to my first year being hard and being scared to get called on like, fuck, you know, like, I'm not gonna know like stutter or whatever. (laughs) And just like, I hated that feeling. But come my second year like I learned like I I remember thinking like being in um I think it was evidence um class but like knowing and like uh, you know raising my hand and I was like and like sitting in the in the front of the class like because I like I knew like the answer and like just feeling good that I knew and I had put in the work and like studied and then my third year was like you know a little better so each each year built on the next year and then my last year I was part of the uh immigration law clinic where i actually had like a real case and i worked up with the supervision of my of my professor but my partner and i like went to court so i really i really liked that and and having that experience like coming out and like going to work as a lawyer like i had that experience and i just felt good about it and i went back to my firm doing the same thing that i you know that i was doing like enjoying helping people but me actually going to court you know, defending depositions and actually doing the work and building that rapport that I felt like, for example, my dad needed with his attorney because they didn't have the same, there was a language barrier and like me connecting with my clients right from the beginning and through the process, even like explain to them, like with workers come, like it's a limited system and I know it sucks and it's, it's a limited compensation what you get at the end of the day but they understood like once I sat them down showed them like Ira, esto, esto es así because this is what the guidelines say and this is how it is so uh, just I mean just to say that I knew all along that you know the hard work was gonna pay off eventually and you didn't quit you found empowerment in it because it keep you keep talking about discipline I love that you, that's like a common mm-hmm. thing and helping other people like you knew you wanted yeah. to help other people. I want to help other yeah. people. I felt good helping other people. I felt good going to court. So you almost like stuck to the th- two things that kept you going. And one might say that you were passionate about helping other people 
and having the discipline to see it through. And it's like with Level Up Latina, you're still helping other exactly. people. You exactly. still are so good at so, it. So that's what we're doing. I mean, that's what we're, the, all three of us are doing now. So yes, I took the break from practicing law, but I knew I wanted to do something. Like I want to help. I want to help like get okay, mujeres. Like we want to help women, mm -hmm. like some, you know, that are have a full-time career perhaps, but are also navigating motherhood. And so how can we do it? And it came to that. Like we sat together. Okay, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to coach women. And I want to continue doing this. Like this is like, this is my full-time gig now. Like I want to go back to law, like on the side right now, part-time, but I don't think I ever want to, at this point, I don't think I want to start my own firm because I know that's, that's like a whole different level and like responsibility and like a, a, a whole different stress level that I don't need or want right now necessarily. But having our own business with Level Up Latina, it's something that we enjoy and we're passionate and it's not like intense and hard and like it's just very re rewarding when we, when we do coach women yes it is very the part of the discipline there's a quote that pretty much talks about there's only so far your talent will take you if you don't have the discipline to to continue to work on yourself and to further that talent so that's it's going to be one thing where you feel so motivated to do it and you have this talent but you're going to realize that at one point si no le echas ganas si no te pones las pilas en el sentido de que you have to focus on the and have the discipline to really understand what you need to do and get it done talent only going to take you so far so that's one of the other thing takeaways we can take from it takeaway that we can take from it okay guys <laughs> so transitioning from law into the nonprofit sector with irene irene how did how do you end up being uh, the ceo of your current company your current organization awesome much like you girls when i was little i was dreaming about what am i gonna do and there were some commonalities there like i too wanted to major in psychology vero i took a psych class in high school i thought okay maybe i'll do that i too wanted to be a teacher sessie i thought maybe i'll do that i thought maybe i'll be a doctor a nurse my sister quickly talked me out of that um not that she's one but she just thought like suffering and sick people so i never truly knew what i wanted to do but i think when the time came and I don't recommend this to other people because I heard that it's actually not good to not make a decision but I actually went into college undeclared and I've heard that you're not necessarily chosen because in a competitive world a kid that doesn't know what they want versus a kid that does know what they want the college may very much take the student that has a path in mind so I got really lucky in that respect because I knew UCSB was my dream school I kind of thought I wanted to do psych I really I was one of those seniors that didn't know what I wanted so any young listeners or listeners with younger siblings like the pressure about knowing what you want can also be a fallacy you don't necessarily need to know yes. what you want I mean you still can know who you are and come across really strong in a college application and in a college interview and trying to get into your dream college. But if you don't know what you want, hell, some of us are 40 and we don't know what we want. Like we're still growing up. We still have other dreams of other mm -hmm. people. I'm still going to be a famous author one day. I just haven't gotten to that. So the point is that I kind of navigated through UCSB not knowing, but then it opened up a world for me because I was down to take like global studies classes, for instance, which ended up being my double major and huge at UCSB. 9-11 happened yeah. and like our our professors were like on CNN and they're talking about nationalism and terrorism. And I'm just like, this is my stuff. This is my jam. And I, I remember. America. And I like, I was hardcore global studies, international studies. And I'm, of course, you're looking at the person that has traveled to so many countries. So in there, I'm weaving who I am and what I like. But I was also a social major. I landed on that because it made sense. I like the social classes, like sociology of sex, the sociology of drugs, like all these interesting things and liberal arts and 
and like, oh, Chicano studies, social majors. But hey, you end up having incredible experience. You learn so much in college. And I think as long as you're happy and you find a path, like you can make money doing anything. So also don't shit on your kids that want to major in art. They want to major in French. They want to major in Chicano studies. Like stop shitting on those dreams because the truth of the matter is I do very well for myself, but I never once in my life said I'm going to be a nonprofit CEO. Never once. Never once was that the dream. Never once was that the goal. Never once did I have words for it. I did not know I would run a nonprofit. I did not know I would be good at it. I did not know my natural skills were leadership and entrepreneurship. I had to go through my journey. But if someone would have shit on me and social and global studies, I could be forced doing a major that I would be terrible at, that I would hate. I wasn't going to do math. I wasn't going to do science. And I thank God every day that I didn't have the kind of family that put that pressure on me that a lot of Latinos, a lot of young women may be listening to this and thinking, my mom really wants me to be a doctor. My mom really wants me to be an engineer. Honey, what do you want? What do you want? I ask you a third time. What do you want? It is so critically important. If you don't know and you need a coach and a mentor, if you need more discipline, you need to ask for help ask for help. A lot of us figured it out by accident what we wanted, but thank God it worked out. Right. Yeah. You want to say something about it? <laughs> no, I'm just like, mm-hmm. I want to hear, I want people to know that I'm over here. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. girl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was feeling it too, because I really think back and I thank God that I didn't have the pressure of having to know and not knowing gave me the opportunity to experience a lot of different classes. And so I want to encourage everybody in college right now, experience classes, dabble in different topics, get away from the pressure of my parents want me to be this, honey, it's not their life. It's your life, mister. If you're a male listening to this, this is your world and you're going to be miserable doing it for other people. So anyhow, eventually I got through college and we had our amazing years in leadership. And for me, school came easy. I always had good grades. Again, I wasn't a math and science major. So I'm, I'm going to be honest, you know, I was also a writer. I was into writing. That's where I knew I enjoyed writing. I'm a talker. That's where I learned I enjoyed talking. I was the president of my sorority. So do other things than just your major. I think that's so important. If it's starting an organization like Vero did, if it's running an organization like Ceci was the co-chair of Hermanas Unidas. I was the president of my sorority. Vero was the founder of Hermanas Unidas. We would not have gotten through college without those extracurricular sisterhoods and experiences in leading because we really, our first jobs or this volunteer work. Those were our first jobs, you guys. Throwing parties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> marketing parties. But all this thing you did, this career. It, you was a, it wasn't just you parties. It was the best. <laughs> the best parties. Okay. The best parties. The best. I mean, and we did amazing things for the community. We put on full-scale programs for youth that were underserved. Those were our first jobs. So there's no shame in that game if you're volunteering your time in college and you're still figuring out what you want and your parents don't know about that club you're in and they're making fun of your sorority and you're pledging. People don't give value to things they've never experienced before. You are in it, my love. You are running that party. You are running that meeting and you are the president. You're the co-chair. So do that if you're in college right now, even if you're in graduate school and you never got a chance to do something like be in a club or study abroad. Number one regret. People always talk about their number one regret is not studying abroad. Well, you better do it. You can still do it in graduate school and you can do it if you've started school and you finished school and like Ceci took a five-year hiatus. Some may say that traveling is a really good hiatus. So I want to put that in people's ear that don't have these regrets of the things you didn't do that other college kids did. 
our friend Sandra, guys, she would always regret that she never studied abroad. And then she goes and marries a German and is yeah. studying abroad. There she is living abroad. <laughs> living abroad. You know, she made it happen. She made it happen. Now she speaks German. Mm-hmm. So you don't know your journey. Don't compare yourself to other women. I eventually got my first job at UCSB and it happened to be for a nonprofit. It was an after school program, all because I had to pay back a student loan. I said, I finally got to get this job. I always had these random little jobs, but that was a real job. And that was introduced me to the nonprofit sector. I stayed in the nonprofit sector because of that job. I got my fifth year of college. I walked my fourth year, but I was back my fifth year, falling in love with my husband, working at that program, working with kids. I knew I loved it. So that's how I got into the nonprofit space that I just was my first job. And in the middle of that job, I dabbled in other jobs and I sold insurance for a while, joined a multi-level marketing company. A lot of people do that. A lot of people knock that, but that was one of the first things that taught me personal development, self-help, no excuses. One might say it was the first time I realized I was a good speaker and trainer because I was forced to do it in that industry, selling freaking insurance of all things. But it was taking again a hiatus, being judged maybe. Family thought it was crazy. Like why is she selling insurance? But it was one of the best times of my life. It was one of the hardest times because you're selling. Vettel talks about selling, but I learned there. Selling, some of us are good at it. So in my job now, I'm a fundraiser and that's also selling. You're closing people. You're closing your program, organizations to donate, individuals to donate. I learned it there in my late 20s. I got back into the nonprofit space. I found an organization I was passionate about. You have to go where you feel similarity. Like Ceci talks about connecting and language and the people she helped. For me, I had to work in a nonprofit where we were serving first-generation kids because I was a first-generation kid. I love that they were Latinos, African-Americans, kids that were grew up like I grew up. So helping them and joining that organization, gosh, 11 years ago was perfect for me. I was enjoying the nonprofit sector. I had been enjoying it. I was moving up the ladder, so to speak, in that respect. And these kids I could really connect to. These families, these parents, moms like my mom, like I loved it. And then in that work, I realized that the only position for me is the position of executive director. Like I, I can't have a boss and not because I don't mean that in, with an ego. I mean that with zero ego. People have different roles in their lives. And if you learn that about yourself, you're going to go much further. But I am definitely a director. I'm a director in my home. I'm a director in my office. I'm a director in all things that I do. Of course, I was the president of my sorority. Like I say that humbly. I say that humbly. I didn't. I just naturally gravitate towards that space. And so, of course, I knew that even though I was in the nonprofit sector, I was really in the sector of being the CEO. So know that about yourself and own that. I said all that to say, own that. It it doesn't make you bossy. We're hearing about women being bossy and calladita and keep it down. Like, like we need female bosses. Where do they learn that? They are the captain. Here's another one I want to bring out there real quick about bossy, (laughs) meaning you're a great leader. No. (laughs) Ask leader and be bossy AF. No. Be a boss in the sense of be, yes, be the right boss in the sense of lead your damn team, do this, be a great leader. But it doesn't mean bossy means leadership. No. No. And then we, we, I think we penalize girls for being themselves. And for me, I, I'm very enthusiastic. I like to talk to people. I like to meet people. It works. People follow people who have vision and clarity of speech and enthusiasm. That's not me being bossy. It's like FOMO. In college, people didn't want to miss out on what I was doing and in high school and then my job and yeah. staff feels the vision that all like they feel the direction. They feel excited to come to work. It's all part of the leadership package. No part of that is me like barking orders or being this frigid, cold leader. Now, that's also my personality. Some people Mm -hmm. are really effective leaders and they're more guarded and they're more calm and they're less chatty. I know my natural strengths, but my point is that 
I loved having bosses and I think that's when I paid the price, Vettel. Every time I did have a boss, I was I had my head down and I was working hard trying not to complain, trying to get it done. Don't complain about work. If you don't like work, yeah. quit. No one is forcing you ever to have a job, a friendship, a relationship mm -hmm. you don't like. So Vettel said it earlier, don't complain because it helped me in those early years moving through the nonprofit sector. There's money to be made in the nonprofit sector. I'm going to end with that point about my journey. Don't shy away from this industry because people say there's no money there. Don't shy away from it, from the stigma that like, oh, people in the nonprofits wear so many hats. Veto and I just talked about wearing five hats. It made us better employees and made us better leaders. We're now business owners in this. And we learned it being humble in another organization, nonprofit or not, being willing to take out the fucking trash and being willing to call that donor who's going to yell at you because you lost their $35,000 check. Whatever you got to do, you got to step up and do it. And it's going to take tough skin. It's going to take discipline so she said it's going to take discipline mm -hmm. to grow in that space and i think in the nonprofit space there's money to be made in the leadership part of it in the fundraising part of it and the operations part of it there are amazing nonprofits that are multi-million dollar nonprofits what do you think those ceos make part of that multi-million dollar profit and they still get to help people that's what i love about what i do it's not hard to raise money when i'm asking people to give dollars to scholarships tutors mentors and if they say no i don't take it personal that's my personal tip of the day. If you're in an industry where you have to ask and you have to sell and you have to close people, Veto does it enthusiastically and she convinces people. I do it by getting a lot of no's. I get a lot of no's. And that's not- Because you get hard. more no's than yeses, right? Yes. You get more no's than yeses. And then eventually I get a yes and it's someone telling me like, wait, you only want 70 grand this year? Can I give you 100 grand this year? Well, what am I gonna do with 100 grand? I'm not even ready Will to spend 100 grand. Like this literally happened to me like, my couple of years ago in my industry. Like we had never gotten a one-time $100,000 grant, but my relationships and meeting people and someone who had given us, I think 25 is like, we love you guys. We love you, Irene. Where do you need money this year? And I'm telling her the story. And she's like, apply. And I remember asking for 70 one year and 30 the next year. And she's like, no, you could just have the 100. And I'm like on vacation in November a few years ago. I remember I was dancing at a club, I think in like Amsterdam or somewhere. And my staffer was with me and she opens the email and she's like, oh my God, 100 grand, just like that. But it's those moments. It's those moments where it's like, if you can get one person to give you 100 grand for an organization, you can make money. You're going to make money because you're making the organization money. So every industry has its money-making sectors. Don't let anybody shy you away, nonprofit industries included. Amen. That's my story. Amen on that. Yeah. Yes. But it's in every in every profession, there's it's relationships and building rapport, right? Yeah. And that's going to help us move along and move up that ladder because I'm going to give a, just an example on my end. In my first job, I made a lot of relationships. I had to do a lot of marketing, in-person marketing with you know how to grow my business. So I would have to go to shops. I worked in the automobile industry. Go to shops, go to dealerships, go to insurance companies, go. And you had to, obviously, each person you address is very different. So you have to find a way to address your shop owner versus an insurance agent and or a, a GM at a dealership. It's all very different because they all have different needs. They, they deal with different clients. I made all these relationships. I build rapport with these people. I made sure that when they sent someone from me to me directly to say, hey, she will take care of you. I made sure I did that. And I followed up years down the line after I had stopped working for that my first company. I was already working somewhere else. The GM of a dealership I used to work, um, work with, providing them assistance whenever they needed it, 
calls me and he says, hey, I hear you're no longer at this company. How about you come work for me? And that I'm like, are, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I, I love the way you let your team. I love the way you had that relation. You established that relationship with us. You always came through. And whenever you couldn't, you were always very realistic and honest with me. You never just left me hanging. That's the kind of person I want on my team. So that's what's so important, that you build these relationships, you build rapport, that you're honest and communicate with the people that you work with when you can or cannot do something. So I later on went to work with them. And guess what? We implemented programs with them and I led the team to be successful there too. And he was like, this is what I needed. But once I did that, I saw there was no growth and I needed an out. Then it was like, hey, thank you very much. Do we still keep in touch? Yes. He says, whenever you need a job or whenever you want to come work with me or any part of our organization or a company, let me know. We've got you. Yes. And that's what's important. You never know who's yeah. going to freaking help you lay on the road. Don't burn people because you don't know when it's going to come back. You said one day you're their assistant. The next day you're an assistant. And then the next day mm -hmm. back to the chain of command. So great. Yeah. Work. I hope this really helped answer a lot of people's questions and to or our, our listener who had the was curious to know how we ended up where we're at and what led us to our careers and our professions. So those were the steps that took it. It was very different for each one of us. And it was there's more detail into it that we can get into later. But we wanted to give you the general idea some highlights and some things that we've learned along the way and that really led us to where we're at and we're happy now we're we know we're, we're doing this podcast we're still doing a lot of the things in our personal lives like we have our, our jobs still as ceos as lawyers as momagers <laughs> but even then there's that professional part of us that still wants to give back and that's where level of latina is you know providing that guidance that base where hey we'll give you that unbiased honest opinion so if you're looking for support if you're looking for guidance send us an email at admin at level you also know where to find us on facebook and instagram and in case you don't our handle is at level of latina thank you thank y you ciao. and don't forget to level up